Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you are jumping in for the first time uh, with us here at the Orchard, maybe for the first time in a little while, I want you to know you're diving right into week four of our generosity series titled Give It All Away. The series has been really good. It's been really challenging, and I want to start with a challenging thought, actually, as we kind of dive into today, as we unpack today. And that challenging thought is this, because I think it's a little more of a thought than a, re- or a little more than a thought, and that it's actually a reality, but that's this, that we Americans throw away more than most of the world lives on. That's crazy, that's a bold statement, right? You might think at face value, okay, yeah, that's probably true because I know how I live, or maybe you might buck that because uh, you've never been overseas and you haven't seen what most of the world looks like or lives like, right? And so here's a, here's a, here's a stat to kind of maybe shape that bigger picture right there for you, but uh, overseas, right, across the world, there are places where you can feed an orphan for a year with a $100 investment. $100 is the difference between an orphan having food for a year or not. That's crazy. Think about the last time you went to the grocery store uh, for a weekly trip. Think about the last time you had fun money for your monthly budget. It just kind of puts things in perspective. This orphan, the difference between him and knowing where his next meal is coming from, having a meal for the next year is $100. That's it. That's the difference. That's crazy. Right, and so, so why do we struggle uh, to know that that's a reality, but we don't want to give our money up, right? I think that if we started to shift our perspective a little bit, that we could have fun doing these things, that we could have fun sponsoring those, those kids, right? Sponsoring people who, who don't have the means to do that kind of stuff, right? Because I think once you start to do that and you start to impact lives, you start to realize, man, it is a lot more fun to impact somebody else's life on a regular and consistent basis than it is for me to just go through the motions and maybe splurge a little bit here and there. That would be fun if we could start to give our money away instead of throw our money away, right? To be able to make a difference and know we're making a difference. And I think that the reason uh, we would think that's fun is because oftentimes we are generous and it's contingent based on how it makes us feel when we are generous or how much we have to be generous with. But here's what's crazy. When we talk about margin and we talk about your fun money or your grocery budget, I have another stat for you, right? Check this out. Halloween is coming up. It's upon us, right? On Halloween in 2021, here's how much money was spent just on decorations, candy, whatever, right here in America. 10 to 14 billion dollars. That's crazy, right? 2022, 10.5 Four billion dollars. In fact, here's the bigger uh, mind-blowing stat for you, okay? Uh, I have never in my life seen a, a holiday greeting card for Halloween. Never seen one. However, people spent $1.5 million on a greeting card for Halloween. That is crazy, Right, and so over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this. And if you're at the Lake City location, then you heard me kind of throw out some stats this past week about what that can look like and, and maybe what it doesn't look like. Right, and so over the course of the series, though, what we've been doing is we've been saying, "Hey, we know these things are true. We know that we should be generous, but we're really struggling to still do that." And and we really think that there's some myths around generosity that we have been trying to unpack to give us a bigger picture. I think the picture maybe that Jesus is trying to give us. And so I want to kind of walk through those and recap those real quick. But the first myth is this, that generosity is determined by available cash flow, right? And we looked at the story of the rich young ruler and we saw that, hey, if anybody had the cash flow, it's this guy, yet he goes away sad when Jesus says, hey, let's start to spend that cash flow on people that don't have any, 
So he had the cash flow, he had the capital, he still was not willing to be generous. Myth number two from the second week in our series is that generosity is driven by compassion. No, it's really driven by gratitude. Once you start to understand what you have been given, you start to understand that you can give much on the other side of that. We looked at a couple stories uh, that week as well. And then myth number three from last week was this. It's the amount that matters. And we looked at the widow, and we looked how she didn't give 50% of what she had. She gave both coins, right? It would have been cool to say, man, she just tithed 50% that day. But no, she only has two little mites, and she gives both of them. She tithes in that moment 100%. And we looked at it and said, it's not the amount that matters, but it's what you are willing to give and not have left over that matters. How much are you willing to sacrificially lean in with what your generosity looks like? That's what matters. And then this week, uh, we're going to look at one more myth. And this is myth four. And I want to kind of give it to you on the front end before we really dive into it. And that's this, that generosity is spontaneous. Myth number four is that generosity is spontaneous. I would argue generosity is not spontaneous, but when you can truly be generous and we can impact people in a much bigger way is when generosity has been premeditated and calculated. And we'll kind of unpack a little bit of that as we dive in today, but I want to let you know that we're not just calling these myths because we think they're myths, but, but we're calling these myths because we think Jesus sees those things as myths, and that's often what he does, right? He takes this principle, he takes this story, and he says, hey, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. I'm going to set this up on an even higher plane than what you understand generosity to be. And he starts to unpack that, and I think over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've seen that generosity is not an act, but generosity is a lifestyle. Right? And so Jesus starts to challenge us and say, hey, are you willing to have this lifestyle? Are you willing to be generous? Are you willing to give it all away as he starts to talk to his audience? But how do we get there? Right? How do I get to a place where I read those stories from Jesus and I understand, okay, that's hard to read. Right? It's hard to read because I see uh, what Jesus is getting at. It's hard to read because I don't feel like I'm in that same place. It's hard to read because I don't really resonate with that because I do feel like I keep a lot of stuff for myself. But how do I get to that place in life? How do I get to that place in life where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do believe those are myths. I do want to be generous. I want to be a generous person. I don't want generosity to be spontaneous. I want it to be calculated so that I can plan to be generous. I don't want it to be this thing that I just have to kind of stumble upon, but I want to live a generous life so that the people that I'm around on a regular basis can allow me to be a blessing to them, that I get to put myself in a position to be a blessing to people because I've chosen to live a generous life lifestyle. And we're going to talk about that for a second, but here's what I want to acknowledge first. I want to be super transparent because uh, here's what I know. I know that this series has been tough. It's been hard, um, and, and I know that it's, it's not necessarily uh, because it's theologically challenging, right, because the pages of Scripture seem super clear. I want to know that it's not been uh, proven difficult because it's hard to understand, because it seems like a lot of these stories at face value really hit at the heart of what Jesus is wanting us to understand. And I want you to know that it's not hard because it's mysterious in nature, right? Like everything that we see on the pages of the stories that we've looked at have been, in my opinion, super clear and super clear cut. And it's really not even because it makes people uncomfortable because, again, if you were at the Lake City location last week, you heard me say that I find resolve in the fact that these are Jesus's conversations, right? It's not me. It's not my opinion. It's not this church's opinion, but we're just looking at the words of Jesus, and that's where we're informing our opinion. But I think this is the reason this series has been so tough. It's because we know that we aren't where we want to be or need to be in this matter of generosity. It's been tough because we look at these things, we understand them, and then we leave and nothing changes. 
We look at these things, we understand them, we know what our next step is in a lot of ways, and yet we struggle to get there because we know that's not where we're currently at. We're not sure we're ready. We're not sure we're at a place where we can give it all away. Or we're not sure we're at a place where we can look at what's left after we've given to the church, after we've given to people in need. We're not sure we're ready to give sacrificially. Right, we kind of talked about that and unpacked that last week online with Pastor Chip, but we're not sure we're in that place. We're not sure we're ready to be in that place. We don't want to go to that place, right? And I think that's why this series has been tough, not because we don't understand, but because we know that in our understanding, there's going to be some difficult decisions that have to be made. But I think what's clear is that God calls his people to be generous. How do we get there? How do we take generosity to the next level? For you and for me to know that cognitively, to know that, that we understand this premise that Jesus is trying to get across, how do we go from knowing it in our heads to actually doing it and actually living it? Right? Here's what I love uh, from Andy Stanley. He has this quote about generosity and about um, rich people, really. He says, we like to say, I just, I, I just can't be more generous. I can't afford it. Right? And Andy says this, rich people aren't generous generous people are generous. And so it's not how much money you have that makes you generous, but it's how you choose to posture yourself that makes you generous. Because we saw uh, the contrast between the widow who only had two mites to be generous with, and she was, and the rich young ruler who had a pile of money, and he was not willing to be that. And so I love that quote from Andy. Rich people aren't generous, but generous people are generous. And Paul, uh, the author of over half your New Testament, half of the, the right side of your Bible, takes it even a step further. And I love this. This is going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. He says this, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on an uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. And so Paul is writing this letter to this young leader in the church, Timothy, probably anywhere between the ages of 15 to 18 years old, and he says, hey, Timothy, here's what I need you to instruct your people to understand that there is a way that you should want to live. And what's really cool about this is we're kind of diving into verses 17 through 19, but if you go look at verses 1 through 16, for those of you that maybe feel like, well, I'm not rich, and this is the difference, he actually starts the first 16 verses saying, hey, if you feel like you need to be rich because you don't have enough, I'm telling you there's a caution there as well and that you don't need to set your mind on those things, but you need to set your mind on what truly has value, and that is Jesus, where it has eternal value, right? And then he dives into this section, and then he starts to unpack that, and he's saying, okay, but those of you who are rich and haven't learned to share, I would argue us Americans specifically, right? Here's what that looks like for you. Here's what it looks like for you to start to be generous, right? And I know it's relative, right? Because I know that maybe at this point you think, uh, you hear me say, hey, you're an American, and that makes you rich, and you don't necessarily bite on that. Well, I want to throw out some more things to kind of help shape our perspective uh, in this conversation. If you make more than $50,000 a year, you're a top 1% earner on the entire planet. Most of the population in the entire world, that's 80% lives on less than $10 a day. That means that if your annual household income is above $9,733, you're doing better than most of the world. The average income for a household uh, for the global population is less than $10,000 a year. That's the household income. And so I want to be clear, you are rich. 
right? Like we are rich, especially uh, as, as the standard across the world starts to come to our attention. We need to see that we really are rich as this stuff starts to unfold. And rich can be uh, a moving target in our minds. And, and so what I want to do is I want to maybe shape that a little bit further. And so if you're watching online, I want to give you an actual second because we're probably going to do this in our services on Sunday, but I want to give you a second, like, a, like an actual second, a pause here online to do this. Take a second, go look in your purse or your pocket, go pull out your key ring and take a look at it. You probably have a car key. You probably have a house key. Some of you might have a second car key. Some of you might have a truck key, a four-wheeler key, a camper key, a boat key, or an office key on your key ring. Like, like just go look at that key ring for a second. This is free license to go do that. Check it out as I kind of fill this space with some words so you can take a second to do that. But it's crazy. If that's not good enough for you, check this out. Look at your, look at your pocket real quick. Pull your phone out, right? That cell phone bill that you pay for monthly is more than the majority of the world's population lives on. That's crazy, right? And so if you know where your next meal is coming from and you don't have to worry about getting clean water or having shelter and you have access to medical care, you benefit from more wealth than many people, not just in this time period around this world, but throughout human history. Not only are we a rich people in America, but we're living at one of the most profitable times in American history, in world history. And so here's the deal. Money is not evil. Having those things is not evil. But what I do want to do is I want to shape your perspective and say, hey, we really do have it way better than I think we consider ourselves to have it. And so it's not evil to have those things. And it's not that every single person who has money allows it to corrupt them, but it is to show us this morning that there's a potential for you to be able to do incredible things with generosity through the money you do have. And I love that. In verses 17 through 19, Paul sees that too. In fact, he gives four imperatives, four statements that are like, hey, here's the deal. In light of what you have, here's what I want you to know. And those first two imperatives are actually negatives, right? Two negative statements that he, he cautions them with. The first one, if you look at it in verse 17, is don't be conceited, right? He says, hey, instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, right? What is arrogance? Arrogance is, is this uh, inflated sense of self or self-worth. And, and here's how this works, because what we do in America is we say, hey, your net worth often determines your self-worth, right? Often, often the case, your bank account determines how important you feel or how much pull you have in society. And Paul's saying, hey, just because you have money or don't have money doesn't mean that's how it needs to be. You don't need to have your worth determined by what's in your bank account. Your worth should be determined by Jesus and Jesus alone. And the second thing he says is this. He says, don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Check it out. Or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. I get it. It's easy for us to go back to our bank account to become our source of hope and, and let that be our source of worship. And when you're, rich, when you're rich, there's this natural inclination for your hope to migrate toward money because it's that safety net that you have, right? Like, well, well, I can splurge a little bit or I don't have to worry about that medical bill because we have a bunch of money or, or whatever that looks like. And I, and I know we talked about this last week, but hey, I get that, but Jesus ain't paying the daycare bill. Jesus ain't paying the light bill. And we start to kind of have that mindset and we think, well, I can, I can do those things. I can take care of myself. But what I think happens if we're not careful is if we start to fix our hope on the certainty of our riches is we start to look like that monkey from back in week one 
right, with our hand in the jar, and we can't get it out. Now, I realize if you weren't here for the first three weeks, uh, or even just week one, you have no idea what I'm talking about, so that's a great plug for you to go back and check out week one and see just how maybe trapped we are by our own possessions, but I think that is really the big picture there, right? Like, don't let your wealth become the crutch. Don't let your wealth become the thing that your hope is in. Let Jesus be your hope. Let God be your hope. Let him be the one who sustains and provides for you on a regular basis. Let eternity be the thing that you value week in, week out, day in, day out in your relationship with Jesus. So those are the first two negative things. He says, hey, hey, don't let money be these two things. And then he gets into two positive things, right? And then he says, all right, now let's pivot. Let's move from here's what you shouldn't do to here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Be rich in good works, right? He says, instruct them to do what is good to be rich in good works. And I love that because he says be rich in good works, not be rich in a good work, right? And so he kind of hits on this idea of generosity being an ongoing action, not this once random in a blue moon moment, right? And so Paul's really saying, hey, be rich in good works, right? Let this be who you are. Let this be an ongoing thing. Let generosity become uh, not just a thing that you do, but a person you become, right? Do what is good. That's the, the, the best remedy for greed is generosity, right? You'll start to navigate some of this as you start to search your heart and where you're at with some of this. Uh, I think we'll start to kind of get a better picture unpacked, uh, the things that we need to pivot on, right? And he says, be rich in good works. Be people that God can use. Have so much uh, good work mindset built up that that's the thing you instantly go to so that God can use you time and time again, uh, because the reality is there are plenty of opportunities around us and I think the issue far more often is the fact that we don't see them because we're not willing to be generous and the fact that uh, opportunities are limited in scope. I don't think they are. I think they're everywhere. Check this out from uh, Franklin Graham. He writes this. I thought it was phenomenal. If we want to become the type of people that God can use anytime, anywhere, any place, we must offer ourselves, our homes, our kitchens, and our living rooms as outposts for the kingdom of God. Man, that kind of generosity, to be an outpost, is not random. Right, an outpost is something that is thoughtful, it's planned out, it, it has a blueprint to it, right? It's got a plan as you attack the day. That's what an outpost looks like. And so an outpost is not something impulsive, but an outpost is something that's planned. Planning for those moments so that you can meet them where they are. And the second thing he says is a positive imperative is this. Be generous and ready to share. He says be generous and willing to share. Ready to share. We've talked about this a little bit already, but generosity is not what you do. It should be who you are as a Christ follower that whenever the moment arises you're ready because that's who you've become and I want to kind of share this last part because I think this is really cool right he gives these four imperatives and then we see on the other side of these four imperatives the two do uh, the two don'ts and then the two do's we see two results and this is really cool uh, he says at the end of that you're going to have a strong eternity portfolio if you will right he says storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age man there is going to be uh, crowns in heaven in a, in a very serious way for those of you who are willing to say, you know what, my portfolio in the here and now doesn't matter, but my portfolio when I get to stand before the king, that matters, that's valuable. That's the first thing. And then the second thing he says is this, you're gonna have a healthy perspective on life. He says, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. <clears throat> I kind of think back to John 10, 10, right, where he says, so that you can have life and have life abundantly. 
Right? I think Jesus is saying two things there. I think he's saying the most abundant life you can possibly have is when you get to spend eternity with the Father. And then I think he goes back to what we said a couple weeks ago is that Jesus came so that you can uh, do better at life and have a better life. Right? And so it's better on both ends. It's better so that you can experience the joys as someone created in God's image in the plan that he's laid out for you. You're going to experience those things the way God intended them to be. And then on the other side of that, you're going to get to experience the best thing. And that's an eternity with him. True eternal life. So how do we get there? If those things are true, how do I get to that place where I'm willing to say, man, I'm ready to give it all away? Because right now, if we're honest, I think we'll say that's a huge leap from where we're at to where Jesus is calling us to go. How do we get there? I think the first big thing here is to make it a spiritual matter and not a financial decision, right? Understand that, that we're not talking about your bank account, right? We're talking about whether or not you're willing to be generous and your bank account falls under that topic, right? And so uh, gratitude. Are you, are you grateful for the gift that you've already been given? Because we saw last week the baseline for generosity is Jesus, right? Are you humble? Are you willing to not be arrogant? Because humility comes from that understanding that, man, none of this is mine anyway. It was all given as a gift from the creator in the first place? Are you willing to be unselfish because uh, that requires a keen awareness of others? Are you willing to have focus and this be a constant reminder that the eternal things matter more than the temporal things? And the reason I say these are spiritual disciplines are because the great opportunity, a great starting place for you is to say, you know what, God? Search my heart. Let's get gut level honest. Allow me to get gut level honest with myself and see where I'm at spiritually. Because if I'm not uh, grateful for you spiritually on a week in and week out basis, if I don't have humility uh, because of you on a week in and week out basis, if, I, if I'm selfish and I haven't looked at you and saw just how unselfish you were with your own son on a week in and week out basis, and if God, I don't spend time and I don't focus on you on a week in and week out basis, and there's gonna be some serious gaps when we start to look at our bank account. And here's, the, here's what I really truly believe that your bank account and how you spend your money and your lack of generosity will start to be a reflection of where you're at spiritually. And so when you look and struggle and realize, man, I really do struggle to be generous, and I really do struggle to plan to be generous, I think what that's gonna do is show you that maybe there's some bigger spiritual implications at play. So make it a premeditated decision, have a plan, and, and a great practical way to do that is maybe decide on a percentage. Maybe say, you know what, this week we, we haven't started giving. And so what we're going to do this week is we're going to start picking a percentage. If that's 2%, great. If it's 15%, great. Somewhere in between, right? Go ahead, start there. That's a great on-ramp for where we can start to be generous. Make a plan. Aim at some goals. Start there. Maybe you start from just going, and, and maybe you do give something. And you go from, I give something kind of randomly, to I'm going to stretch myself and give something regularly. Or maybe you go from giving regularly to giving intentionally, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go from just kind of the sporadic often giving to like intentionally saying, here's my plan, here's the need I'm gonna meet, here's what we're gonna do for the local church, here's what we're gonna do for this organization. Or maybe, this is a big one, you go from giving intentionally to sacrificially. And you start to give up some of those things that you know are in your margin that you enjoy for the sake of God's kingdom, what he knows is best for you, and how you can impact others. That's probably going to be one of the more difficult ones, which is, which is ironic because it's for the people who already give. But maybe those are some good things. Start from going from nothing to something, something to regularly, regularly to intentionally, and intentionally to sacrificially. And here's one last thing before, we kinda, before I kind of leave you guys today and we dive into something new next week. But identify where you are and then identify what your next step is. 
Andy Stanley also has uh, a phenomenal thing that I love here. He says, hey, most Americans end up being a 3S giver. They end up being spontaneous, sporadic, and sparing. If you're a 3S giver, you miss an opportunity to be rich in God, and your hope will migrate away from God. So he says, instead, be a 3P giver. Be a giver that has priority, that makes giving a priority. Be a giver that gives a, a predetermined percentage of what you have to the church, to these organizations, to people. And then be progressive as you receive more wealth and have more than the average person around the world. You should be giving or be willing to give a higher percentage away. Right. Cool thought as we kind of round that down. Cool thought as we, as we wrap that up and we start to unpack what some of that looks like. Hopefully you've been challenged throughout this series. Hopefully some of that um, has been impactful for you as we've kind of looked at that. Um, as we get into the weeks ahead, hopefully you're willing to say, you know what, I haven't been generous. I want to start doing that because I know it's not just better uh, for, uh, for the people that I'm generous to, but it's better for me because Jesus wants something for you, not from you and it'll be a great indication of what you're trusting God with in the days and the weeks to come. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for today, God. Thank you for an opportunity to worship you, God. Thank you uh, for letting us know that finances are a way that we can worship you. Finances are a way that we can dive in um, and, and really start to search our hearts and see where we're at in our relationships with you, Father. I pray that um, as, we, as we take that and as we learn from your word this morning over the course of the last four weeks, God, that we would understand the task that you have given us as Christians and that we would change the world because of it. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Frick! Dadgummit, what do we do with that? You want to do the last section again, Chris? My freaking dad of all people. Whose fault is that? Who's, who usually says silence your phones? Come on. It's me. I'm the one. <laughs> it's my fault. Um, hang on, I gotta go again. Stay right there. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just gonna start with the takeaway. Okay? Still got me? And... That kind of makes me want to wrap up with this last thought, right? This, this takeaway, this last thing that you hear before we round this series down, and it's this. Identify where you are, and then identify what your next step is. How willing are you to be gracious? How willing are you to look at that next step? I love uh, another thing from Andy Stanley that he says. He says, don't end up being like most Americans and being a 3S giver. A 3S giver is someone who's spontaneous, sporadic, and sparing. If you only end up being a 3S giver, you miss an opportunity to be rich in God and your hope will migrate away from God. He says this instead. He says, try to be a 3P giver. Have priority, have a percentage, and then be progressive with that. When you have priority, when you get some money, you give some money, right? That's your priority, to be generous as soon as you identify that you've been blessed. And then you pick a, a percentage. You say, you know what? I have been blessed with this amount. I know what's coming in. I'm going to allot a certain percentage of everything that comes in and give that to the church. Give that to faith-based organizations. And then the last one is this, being progressive. Knowing that as you receive more wealth and as your margin starts to go up, it also makes it so that you have more margin to give and be a blessing uh, to the church and to others. Just a phenomenal statement to kind of round that out. Hopefully it's been challenging. Hopefully you've been encouraged by this series. Um, hopefully you're willing to take some hard steps on the other side of this because I know that uh, as we've looked at the statistics in the American church in particular over the course of the last several weeks, we know that there's plenty of headway to be made uh, on generosity in particular. So let me pray for you uh, before we dive into the new thing next week and not let this get away too quickly. 
Jesus, thank you for today, God. Thank you for an opportunity to open your word and see that generosity is there and that you haven't hidden the hard conversations from us, God, but uh, you've made them available to us and then you've challenged us with them. God, thank you that these conversations uh, are not just uh, so that you can steal our money, God, but because you want something for us, not from us, and you see the value that these things bring to our own spiritual life, God, and you see the value that eternity brings for us as well. And so, Father, I pray that you would start to shift our perspective right now in a way that leads us to be generous people that change the world because of the principles that you've laid out for your people created in your image. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, work your magic there, Chris. The phone went off, like, literally the last... get at it myself. Alright. Aaron usually does about 17, so we'll see how that works for you. Can you see it all right? Yep. I had a little bit of extra space at the top. Yeah. I like that a little bit more so I can get out of the way. All right. All right, you ready? Over these last four weeks, we have looked at this idea of give it all away. We've looked at what it means to be generous, and we've hopefully learned that the source of our generosity begins with Jesus. As believers, God has lavished his grace on us, and if there's anyone who can be generous, it's those of us who exper have experienced... Man, you wrote the script, man! <laughs> I realized I let it get too high, too, so I was trying to catch up. Yeah, I figured that's what happened. Yeah, when, once yeah, it pops really down... Asked, yeah, I would slow it down. That's because I was trying to get ahead of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to start when it's like yeah. third of the so, way up. So once it creeps in, you can go ahead and start. <laughs> it was too high. I was trying to get ahead. All right. All right. I'm ready. <clears throat> Over these last four weeks, we have looked at this idea of give it all away. We've looked at what it means to be generous, and we've hopefully learned that the source of our generosity begins with Jesus. As believers, God has lavished his grace on us, and if there's anyone who can be generous, it's those of us who have experienced God's goodness. 
Each week, we've highlighted ways in which we, together as one church, the Orchard Community Church, have been able to be generous because of your faithful giving. For that, we commend you and we say thank you. As we bring this series to a close, we want to challenge you to think about what it looks like for you to be generous in your personal life. Often, I think we associate generosity with spontaneity. And while there are certainly times where that holds true, I want to encourage you to connect the dots between generosity and intentionality. All right. The gap was too big. Okay. There we got this. <clears throat> the one after intentionality, there's extra space. You know, all these have extra space. What were you going to say? I say there was um, a I'm weird just... transition at one of the spots. And maybe that's where you're talking about the gap. Yeah. I there get rid of all the gaps. I, I was trying to like pause to let it. So I didn't do it. Yeah, I can speed it up just a tad too. <laughs> like, um, I think it's all right. I'll just let it get a tad bit higher when I start. And it should be okay. Yeah, I only... Um, put one space gaps yeah, to all of them. So that should help. Yeah, two space too much. This is the one. Over these last four weeks, we have looked at this idea of give it all away. We've looked at what it means to be generous, and we've hopefully learned that the source of our generosity begins with Jesus. As believers, God has lavished his grace on us, and if there's anyone who can be generous, it's those of us who have experienced God's goodness. Each week, we've highlighted ways in which we, together as one church, the Orchard Community Church, have been able to be generous because of your faithful giving. And for that, we commend you and we say thank you. As we bring this series to a close, we want to challenge you to think about what it looks like for you to be generous in your personal life. Often, I think we associate generosity with spontaneity. And while there are certainly times where that holds true, I want to encourage you to connect the dots between generosity and intentionality. When you think about your next vacation or develop a monthly budget, there's a planning process. How much money do I have? How much money do I need? What days can I take off? There's an intentional process that we go through. Why shouldn't we take this same approach to our being generous? If we adopt an intentional approach to our generosity, I'm willing to bet we would soon realize God has given us the ability to be more generous than we ever thought. So what if we started thinking, planning, and praying about how we can be generous? And that's exactly what we want to do. We want to encourage you to think, to plan, and to pray about how you can be generous with all that God has generously given to you. Take it. Told you that was the one. Right. <clears throat> Only took seven tries. <laughs> the reels are 15 minutes ship. Are you ready? Sure. So this whole series, our recap, has been about. Do we talk? Do they know it's called the recap? Yeah, it's for the people. Yeah, yeah. So like, is it, if I. 
talk about our recaps? That's not weird. Okay. No, okay. Right. Just hit me. That may be like. In the service, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Day two. Sorry. Just like brain, like, wait a minute. All series long, our recaps have highlighted ways that your generosity has allowed us to be generous as a church. And so I want to highlight one more. It's the way that we are the most generous, but we don't talk about it a lot. That is our partnership in the cooperative program. The cooperative program is a fund with about 40,000 churches all across the United States that partner together to support international missions, national missions, and theological education. Because you give, a portion of our budget every year go into this fund to help send missionaries overseas, to help church plants here in the States, including our church plant in Ocala, as well as funding and underwriting theological education for the pastors of the next generation. Because you're generous, we're going to keep being generous too. Good? Yep. Just under a minute. All right, well, oh man. Probably not going to be able to leave the stage for uh, between sermon and. and I mean, I could have made longer. I thought we were trying to keep that short. Just kidding. You did great. It was great. I mean, I can always talk longer. Hey, man, it was fun. Yo, I saw a clip. You guys, have, you follow the Kitchen Pickleball on Instagram? They posted a clip today, or yesterday, maybe, of a fan yelling, and then the guy hitting the ball right into the net, and the dude looking or turning around and like looking at the fan, like getting on him right, or whatever. So don't tell me who it was or what it is, because apparently that was in the finals of the MLP this past weekend. Ew. And I haven't, I, I don't know who won yet. I've, but I've the caption was, did this fan yelling cost him yeah, so I freaking commented, and I was like, this is the softest bunch of crap ever. Don't bring this tennis bull crap to the sport. No, nobody said anything to me. Actually, most of the comments were saying the same thing I was saying. Just like that's, that. So it's funny that that's always a cop-out of, like, <clears throat> it doesn't really affect your thoughts most of the time, but it gives you a good reason to say that. Also, is on the kitchen or the bench or something, it might just been a dude. I don't even remember now. Real trying to break pickleball by exploiting loopholes in the rules and one of the rules is that you can't volley the ball from the kitchen but you can be in the kitchen anytime you want right so he and his partner were running screens is that a distraction that's what i'm thinking but he was literally standing in front of his partner and then they had a coordinator where he would go one way and his partner hit it the other way that's awesome (laughs) that's gotta be a distraction right it's so does you can't intentionally distract another player, so I think that that would probably be fall in that category. Also, the more I was looking at that, I was like, nobody hits their dinks that soft. Yeah, you can run across the court, get in front, and smoke it. That's funny. Yeah, they don't bounce. Yeah. <clears throat> but I was like, Did you see the guy who had the, <laughs> he had the like the hat thing, and then he would like somehow get the ball and shoot it like that. Oh yeah, the backhand dink. Callie Dix did that shot a while back. He got the backhand in the stick on the rack. Mm-hmm. It's the same dude, but it's it's a good shot, but it's incredibly difficult to hide. He makes it look easy to hide, but if you go out and play with it, like to get your paddle from here to then here, it's yeah, this like one motion where he like. Oh, I know, it. but I'm saying it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I'm good at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> hey, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> That was perfect timing. <laughs> Hats off to you for that. 
everyone, excited to be back with you for another awesome week right here online. Hopefully, uh, you've stuck with us throughout this generosity series. I know it's been challenging, but I think in a lot of ways it's been good, not just practically, but also spiritually. Uh, we're in one more, whatever, here we go, one more time. All right. <coughs> that was it. That was the one. <clears throat> hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another week right here online. Week four of our series titled Give It All Away. We're talking entirely about generosity and what it looks like to be generous. Hopefully for you it's been encouraging. Hopefully maybe it's been a little bit challenging based on some of the stats that we've thrown out. And this week is going to be really good too. Really excited to kind of dive into some of the nitty gritty and maybe what your next step is whenever we dive into the message today. But it's a great message to share with a friend. It's a great message to uh, keep on tabs, maybe file away for later as you kind of navigate some of the spiritual disciplines that are in this message in particular. But there's a couple things we always want you to know on the front end. The first one is this. We love talking with you online. You have a host on both platforms, Facebook and the online platform, that are ready to talk with you. We also love praying with you. We love knowing that you're going through hard things and that we can help alleviate some of that just by going before the Father with some of those hard things. So take advantage of that too. If you're watching on Facebook, you'll see a link uh, in the comment section. We'll send you over to the online platform where somebody's waiting to pray with you right here, right now today. Hopefully uh, you're excited about this series. Hopefully you're ready for the rest of the day. Hopefully this prepares you for the weeks to come. Before we dive in, we're going to do this though. We're going to start with some worship this morning. I'm awesome that except for the time you said. So we're really excited when you go through hard times. Well, we're, we are excited <laughs> about the part that we can partner with you. I, I thought about that as I was saying it. Uh, I did think about that as soon as I said it. <clears throat> You don't have to read awesome it. Awesome word for myself. Yeah, I was going to say, this is going to be the awkward part. Um, all right, here we go. Well, before you start, yeah. I'm walk out. Hey, this is the welcome, right? That was the welcome. That's what I'm saying. Hey, that was an awesome word from me, like you said. Right, <laughs> this is going to be the recap. This is going to be a little awkward. Make Matt do the recap. You want to do recap? Come here, Matt. Come do the recap real quick. Come here. You just listen to the whole sermon. Come do it real quick. You got, it's 40, it's, it's 40 minutes up to. It's 35 minutes. That's great. You have five minutes. Knock it out one take. Be good. Chris, you want to do it? No, you got this. All right. It's not a team player, Matt. Shady. <clears throat> I mean, what do I say? <laughs> you, you can just say Talk about the Thanks theory, for joining us. Yeah. The message. Talk about, hey, hope you come back next week. Just don't. Yeah, it's good. And thanks for joining us today, and thanks for joining us throughout the series if you've been with us. Uh, really excited to see what church life looks like on the other side of that with our people and really our communities as we start to impact those as well throughout the series uh, entirely centered around generosity and throughout this idea of generosity. Hopefully uh, you'll stick with us throughout the weeks to come because we have an awesome vision series coming next. It'll be uh, a lot of Chip, our lead pastor, and a lot of really good stuff to come. But uh, as always, and I say this, this is just really a snapshot of who we are. And if you really want a full picture of who the Orchard is and why we do what we do, come join us on a Sunday. We have four locations. We'd love to host you at any one of those four locations. I know the location pastors would love to shake your hand and get to know you a little bit better. So we would love to see you there. But if not, until then, we can't wait to see you next week right here. <clears throat> 